Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Jeffrey Kernell, welcome to uh, my podcast, Studio HFL. And uh, if you haven't figured out what HFL stands for yet, you want to take a want to take a guess? HFL. Um, Come on, trumpet player. HFL. Cursive. <laughs> Fracking hole. Oh. Yes. Go uh, on. I, I, um, um, uh, low register, and I don't know. You nailed it. You nailed it. No, higher, higher, faster, louder. Higher, faster, louder. That How was, could I not know that? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, your trumpet card got uh, might get revoked for not knowing yeah, that one. Yes, definitely. So, well, I, I tell you what, it's a pleasure to get a chance to uh, chat with you. Um, well, it sounds gonna gonna sound like I've been stalking you, man. I've been watching you on Facebook and in the internet for years. Um, oh. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, so the restraining order, you might want to reinforce that. But. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear we get still people still checking us out. Yeah, right. So, well, um, you know, uh, this podcast has given me the opportunity to be able to reach out and talk to some really fantastic people. And uh, my goal originally was to talk about pedagogy, you know, because you got to have a niche for these things. Mm-hmm. But... As fascinating as that is, and we might talk about that sort of thing, really, uh, what it's turned into is just conversations about like what's going on in your life, and that's really kind of where I want to start. And of course, you wear so many hats. You wear the cartoonist hat, you wear the trumpet hat, you've got a hat that uh, used to belong to Empire Brass, right? Right. Uh, And who knows what else. Um, But let's start, if we could, uh, just tell... Me and of course, there's probably people out there who might not know a whole lot about you. Um, where are you currently? What are you doing? And we'll go from there. Uh, currently, I'm associate principal trumpet in the Philadelphia Orchestra. Uh, this is my coming up on my 19th season. I can't wow. believe it. I've been here that long. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What's the uh, tenure? Is it is it 20 years you get tenure? Yeah. <laughs> I wish. 
25 <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, not far from Philly, and and studied with Seymour Rosenfeld, who played with the orchestra for many years. So it's it's been a homecoming for me, uh, which is it's really nice. I never thought I'd be able to play in the orchestra. I grew up listening to and loving. And you don't get to make those kind of, you know, decisions when you're a musician. You kind of go where the openings are. Right. And I got very lucky. And uh, the orchestra is doing great. It's in great shape. Got a terrific music director. And and uh, it's just just got a huge $55 million donation. Wow. And things are really turning around and taking off mm -hmm. after some rough years. And I'm very proud of this organization. It's it's really fun. It's a great section. Uh, that and I'm trying to get some cartooning off the ground, trying to get a, a second career going here. Although, <laughs> you know, being a cartoonist, I think, is actually the only career worse than being a musician at the moment. <laughs> it's like no money, uh, you know, and but it's fun. It's I've done it. I did it for when I was a kid, I've done yeah. it for years. I did it when I was with the Empire Brass. And, uh, although I, no one's no one's going to see those cartoons because they're all R-rated. <laughs> well, you uh, may have to have a, a special edition of that. You know, I can imagine the conversation with, with your mom or dad. You know, hey, I want to be a trumpet player. Well, do you have a fallback career? Yes, right. a cartoonist. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah, it's... it's uh, but it's 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 good. Uh, it keeps me out of trouble, and it gives me something to think about while I'm counting <laughs> measures rest, mm -hmm. which I'm doing a lot of in this business. Uh, so it, it it allows me to vent uh, about all my frustrations with classical music, and you know, you know. So they, that's basically it. Well, they say you know humor is based on truth, right? And Lord knows we have an awful lot of truth. Uh, that we can make fun of in an orchestra. Um, exactly. In fact, you never have to leave the double read section, really, uh, for source <laughs> right. material. Right. Uh, do you have, well, along that line, do you have a favorite group to, uh, section to pick on? The trombones. <laughs> Actually, so yes. In, in Philadelphia, do they sit uh, beside you or behind you? or? It, it depends on the rep. Uh, mm. Our stage is limiting in some ways so uh, if we're doing huge pieces sometimes they're parked behind us and we're all kind of sandwiched in there mm -hmm. which you know um, can be painful but uh, for mm -hmm. the most part we're trying to set up in a straight line mm -hmm. which uh, really helps we can just hear each other better mm -hmm. and, but for years they sat in front of the trombone section here and, and now we're trying to change that the music director seems to be Mm -hmm. interested in doing that too so there's a lot of support from the podium mm -hmm. but uh, it makes a world of difference yeah um I, i'm still stuck on the cartooning uh, aspect of this too though i mean you're describing the setup and all i can think is if they're behind you aren't you afraid of, of retaliation <laughs> i'm always afraid of retaliation <laughs> <laughs> i watch I'm, I'm careful where i park my car you know uh, <laughs> I, I make sure i put my stuff backstage in a locked locker you know oh, gosh it, no it's it's <laughs> it, it is a fine line though because uh my music director uh yannick nezezegan is terrific really wonderful he's he's seen him he's seen my cartoons <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And I make sure to tell them every time, they're never about you, ever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you got to be careful. Sometimes I'm six weeks out in front with the cartoons, and if all of a sudden the cartoon about the firebird comes up when the maestro's in town (laughs) conducting the firebird, that's that's bad. Mm -hmm, So I'll mm -hmm. quickly call the NPR editor and say, don't run that this week. But it, it, it is it is tricky. It's, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people in the orchestra see my cartoons and and some of them have suggestions. Uh, well, everybody know. has a suggestion. Right. <laughs> and some of them are really funny. Exactly. Do, you know, I do use them. But uh, but it, it there is a fine line to walk. You know, you think about not just the cartooning aspect, you've got the drawing part of it and then. The, the basis, the humor, what you're trying to convey that is, let me see, how do, how do I phrase this? You've got this idea, you've got this concept. How easily was the drawing part, how easily, easily did that come to you? Did you have good cartooning skills to, to bring all of your ideas to life? It's, it's like anything else. It's a lot of ways it's like practicing a musical instrument. You get better at it as you go on. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to have a lot of ideas and you throw out a lot of ideas. Some things just don't work from a visual standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't, because everything has to be built to be seen on a cell phone. So if the joke's too small, mm. no one will be able to see it. The joke's got to be big enough to, to see. On top of that, you have to fit words uh, in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to squeeze all the characters in. And, um, and then it's got to have, like you said, some truth to it. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out how to put that all together with pen and ink. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is a process. Sometimes it falls out of the sky and lands right on your lap. Like I'm sitting there <laughs> playing the Firebird, and I'm all of a sudden I think, well, what if Stravinsky actually owned a Firebird, <laughs> the, the car? <laughs> and I'm like, somebody must have thought of this. And I'm going through the Internet trying to find this. This is the simplest, most crazy thing that just kind of fell into my lap. So... I put Stravinsky's Firebird together with Stravinsky standing next to a 71 Firebird. So it's one of these things where other times I'm literally pacing the house for days uh, trying to come up with another cartoon, which Mm -hmm. is it's kind of fun. It's a challenge. And it is a lot of work Uh to some extent because trying to come up with something, you send it to the editor sometimes. eh, Mm -hmm. No, I don't get it. Or it's it's. My readers aren't going to get that. Yeah, you know there should never time. there. By the way, there should never be a fear about crashing and burning a Firebird, <laughs> right? Because right. it's just going to rise from the ashes. You're going to get That's another right. one. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole it's a whole process. Sometimes it's very difficult, and then there's the thing where you come up with this really great idea, but it's going to involve drawing an entire orchestra. <laughs> And that takes time. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure because if you if you screw up an instrument, somebody writes, "Hey, what the heck was that instrument?" Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's the only time they pay fun. attention, right? That's right to that kind of detail. <laughs> the trolls, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you gotta you know make sure that uh, you're watching out for the trolls. Mm. So that that's your main gig, and so your side gig is uh, playing trumpet, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> playing in the orchestra. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you mentioned NPR. Uh, how how did that relationship come about? Uh, come about. Um, Mike Sachs, his his wife is a uh, is a brilliant harpist, 
Yolanda Condonassis. Mm-hmm. And um, I was putting cartoons up on my Facebook page and Mike would always would see them and be laughing and she'd look at them and say, oh, that is brilliant. That's really, <laughs> that's funny. That's really, I mean, what, where else is he cartooning? Mm-hmm. Mike would say, well, he just puts them on his Facebook page. She was friends with uh, Tom Hoy- Hoizenga, who works at M- NPR, wow. the NPR Classical Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was doing an interview, I think, with him uh, for the that, that Facebook page. And she said, you got to check out this cartoonist. He's, you know, he'd mm-hmm. be great on your page. And so that's kind of how that happened. And I uh, hooked up with Tom and I sent him a bunch of stuff. And he said, yeah, let's try this. Let's try Let's do this weekly <laughs> and see if we can make this happen. And uh, which gets to be a challenge because mm-hmm. uh, you have to really. And I like that because it gives you a schedule. I have to meet that schedule Mm -hmm. and so it forces me to like i said pace around the house and think of a cartoon (laughs) so and uh so this kind of became a niche for me i was busy sending things to the new yorker and other magazines Mm -hmm. to see if i could get into those but uh they were like yeah let's do this with the classical music thing so it's been you know it's been very good Mm -hmm. to to be able to to partner with them because a lot of people i've gotten a lot of shares from a lot of these cartoons that I would get from my own mm-hmm, page. Mm-hmm. Are you able to uh, make collections and, and publish your own, or, or is everything pretty much dedicated to the NPR folks right now? No, I own all the cartoons, mm-hmm. and so uh, and he's talked. Tom's talking to me about putting a book together, and it's it's, and I probably have four years worth of cartoons. Now I'm coming up on four years. I keep putting it off mm-hmm. <laughs> because you gotta the self publishing thing is. It takes a lot of time yeah. putting these together, sticking them in a book, um, having someone go through it, and whether I'm going to do it myself or have try to farm it out to, um, you know, another a company, a publishing company. Mm-hmm. That it's I I look at that and I think to myself, well, uh, maybe I'll wait another year. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's coming. I, I'm going to end up putting it together at some point. I want to have mm-hmm. enough cartoons to put together and and then come out with a decent book and. And hopefully it'll it'll sell and take off. But mm-hmm. if it doesn't, it's something that you know, it's a bucket list item. Well, I mean, you've got a you've got an audience already. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, I that would say important. at least at least your colleagues uh, would buy. So there's two copies accounted for. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And although they're going to ask for the the complimentary. Hey man, can't well, you just? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm going to have to buy at least uh, 150 complimentary, <laughs> copies, you know, copies that I can hand out to all the people I've skewered, especially the trombone section. They're going to get complimentary yeah. copies. So, uh, at the moment, you and the rest of your uh, colleagues with Philly are parked in Florida. Is that correct? No, we're in uh, Saratoga, New York. Oh, Saratoga. Yeah, I misread. Yeah, well, you said Sarasota. <laughs> no, this is uh, it's Saratoga. We come here every summer for three weeks, mm-hmm. and it has been f- since the '60s. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's really fun. It's, it's Saratoga Performing Arts Center, and we put on classical concerts, and we're doing some movies, and there's a, a, you know usually throw a pop show in here and mm-hmm. there, and do teaching also. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an academy up here, so it's um, like I said we. The orchestra has been tied in with Saratoga for since I think '61 or '62. Wow. Like that. Um, but it's it's fun. Bring the whole family up here. We rent a house, mm-hmm. and then we work. We do four concerts a week. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yeah, same rep each week? Uh, in, I mean, for those four concerts, or do you, is there new? No, like, it's a different concert every night. Oh so it's, it's stressful. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that uh, you got to do in one rehearsal and then go out there and play it. Mm-hmm. And so you got to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff we've done during the season, which sure. is nice. Other things, like they're doing the Marcellus Swing Symphony up here, which is new to the orchestra. Uh, we got another Harry Potter film. We're going to do mm-hmm. up. We're going to do um, <laughs> a couple new pieces and some old standards, old, old favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it's a one rehearsal performance thing, four different shows a week. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy doing the films? Uh, that is... I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll amplify it. <laughs> uh, you know, I put uh, a picture up of the uh, my parts to these film scores, mm-hmm. and I said, "Here's the changing face of classical music." I put this up on mm-hmm. Facebook because it really is. Mm-hmm. We're we're looking at uh, we're like the new drive-in movie, whereas you know oh, uh, never people come anything. as people come as a, a community and they sit out there in the audience mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful night and they're watching their favorite and mm-hmm. actually hearing the soundtrack you know gets them away from looking at the stuff on their widescreen TVs at home mm-hmm. and they've been very popular I mean we oh, yeah. the the houses uh, every time we do it the last one we did was at the Man Center uh, a week and a half ago and it was uh, The Empire Strikes Back Star Wars mm-hmm. and um, I know people look at this and they think wow that's so awesome it's great music and it's oh my god i love that film and (laughs) and i remember going to see the movie and and listening to the soundtrack while i'm watching it this when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. and thinking oh my this is unbelievable and i'd buy the soundtrack and i'd listen to it i think oh if i could only play this right (laughs) and then you get there and it's sitting in front of you and uh, you got a click track in one ear. Mm-hmm. You got a conductor who's almost with the click track, you know, at the, you know, front of the stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're kind of packed in, sandwiched in, and you're blasting through this in one rehearsal. So there's these are tricky parts, yeah. very tricky yeah. um, rhythmic gestures to put together mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time, and be able to read through this. And it doesn't always come together perfectly. It is effective, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it's it's very challenging. But you kind of leave the stage, you know, with this feeling like, uh, wow, that was a little strange. You know, that I had this banging in my ear here and trying to put this all together, and I can't really hear, and I'm, it's hard to play with a click banging in your ear. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, they're not a lot of fun to do. You know, to make a long story short, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they're 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 really kind of stressful. And then, as I'm walking off stage, I overhear a conversation with an audience member with one of my colleagues, and the audience member says, "Wow, you guys were so good! I forgot you were there." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing. This is supposed to be in concert, yes. Yeah. And you want people to, to to appreciate all your hard work. But at the end of the day, we're accompanying some unbelievably great directing and acting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some spectacular filmmaking. And we're kind of, you know, uh, 
just you're adding the, to that. You're the cottage cheese at the side of the plate. Right. <laughs> and that also becomes a little bit, you know, I, I didn't get into this business to be that, to be, mm-hmm. and, and people will, you know, be upset with my saying that. I don't and think we so. don't I, do it. I, I think there are a lot of people, especially in orchestras, that would agree with your, your viewpoint. You know, we, we work so hard uh, for ourselves uh, to present the music on stage. Not that we're the focus, but the music being the main focus. And right. uh, now, and opera is one thing. Ballet is another thing. But this is a something completely different where the visual aspect completely seems to override uh, anything else. It's like, couldn't you just phone it in? You know, if, if this is what yeah. we're doing, but it is a, it is a great experience. I've actually taken my family here, uh, to the ISO and I thought the same thing it was like, I forgot the orchestra is there. And then I've actually played on stage for a couple of these and I see your perspective as well. It's like, you know, yeah, they're uh, magnificent scores. They really are. I mean, John Williams is just a genius. And when you're getting to sit there and listen to how he put this together and seeing actually where it goes with mm. the film, you're even more blown away right. by by the talent of this guy. And but at, at the same time, you're kind of well, you know, uh, we do Mahler too, <laughs> right? We do a lot of great Stravinsky, and you should come come back and see that when you can really hear it. Mm. You know, these greats scores also mm-hmm. and it's it's difficult because when you record these in a studio they're putting all the brass usually in 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 one spot and your might and they're doing this eight bars at a time so yep. you can really get it perfect yeah. and uh here it's sometimes you just get through a passage and you're like ah did we make it you know it, it right. goes by so fast and it's right. so crazy so it's it's really a very different thing mm-hmm. so in your 19 years now uh, you've seen quite an evolution, probably not just in uh, that aspect. Um, are there others, uh, other things, changes you've noticed with orchestras? Uh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, when I, it's funny you should mention that because I was just talking to somebody about that today. Because when I came up here 19 years ago, we were, we had a full audience. We played through nothing but classical music shows. And have a full audience. We did six weeks at the Mann Center, mm. classical music, only classical music. Mm-hmm. We never played Pops concerts. Wow. Never. We did the only Pops we did was Gershwin. And <laughs> uh, very rarely would we do anything other than that. Mm-hmm. And, and we packed the place. We would have uh, in Philadelphia. We would have a full Mann Center for. You know, Beethoven, Mozart, Stravinsky, uh, Strauss, anything we did. And all the entire season would be that way. And if you can imagine that, no Pops concerts, Mm -hmm. zero. And then slowly I saw the audiences dwindle and we all did. Mm -hmm. And then they came to us with, well, we're going to have to do some pop shows. We're going to have to do some, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have to have some artists come in here. You're going to have to play for that are, you know, jazz artists and mm-hmm. pop artists. And we had Rob's Rod Stewart come in and Billy mm-hmm. Joel. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're doing these things. And it's like, wow, what's happening here? How is this, you know, how is this fitting in with classical music? And, and it's, it kind of changes the organization because now you have to be good at everything. 
and that's not that, that horse has left the barn. It's never going to go back. It's it's uh, now it's movies, and I imagine we'll do more movies mm-hmm. as as time goes on mm-hmm. uh, to put the audience to fill the seats to have you know to make sure that we're being heard to make sure that we're relevant. <laughs> I mean, you just can't park yourself in an all classical you know, um, set up anymore. Right. It's you, you've got to be diverse and right. you've got to reach out to, to the people who have never heard classical music, who aren't interested in it, bring them in and, uh, maybe not build an audience for classical music, but build an audience for that, for pop music, mm-hmm. build an audience for, you know, for what they appreciate also mm-hmm. and try to be very good at, at both. So yeah, that's the major change me trying to you know find the equipment to play <laughs> pop shows as well as uh you know Bruckner right. and Wagner and, and and you know we're playing rotary trumpets now which we mm-hmm. never did it's all all that is is changing mm-hmm. so uh yeah a lot a lot of changes um you know with regard to the pop culture pop music culture um no, that, let me let me rephrase that again. And it's a good thing I get to edit uh, on this end. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's where I'm going to start: is the Leonard Bernstein uh, Young People's Concerts that he used to do with the New York Phil. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen those DVDs. Yes, I've, I've yeah, I have. So uh, a few weeks ago, we started watching those with our boys, and you know, I thought like late fifties, uh, black and white. Uh, he's he's actually smoking a cigarette on stage. Yeah, <laughs> right. And but I'm right. watching this, and I'm thinking this is unlike any uh, young person's concert I have ever seen. There's no Pirates of the Caribbean. There's no right. dumbing the music down. Those programs, uh, young people's concerts, were highly sophisticated, really well designed, and of course he delivered them, and the orchestra delivered them beautifully. Right. And I think, why can't, at least when it comes to things like that, why do we have to do Pirates and Star Wars? And why can't we just put a great product out there and you know, the audience will love it. Good music is good music. Good music performed well is is what we're looking for. Yeah, you know, uh, I, and I agree with you. I, I'm a big Turner Classic movie fan i love watching these old movies and many times i'll be watching a movie and there's Tchaikovsky and there's Heifetz mm. and uh <laughs> these were they were movie stars they were rock stars harry james was exactly. a big movie star yeah. back then there was a big appreciation for jazz there was a which was the rock music at its time <laughs> and there was a huge appreciation for opera and and for classical music mm-hmm. and Tuscanini and Stokowski and all those old conductors of Reiner, they were, uh, they were massive, you know, stars at that time. And mm-hmm. everybody kind of had respect for them. And, and even the younger people knew that this was high art mm-hmm. and it was treated that way in the movies. And that all went away. And, uh, you don't, I mean, when's the last time you saw a conductor in a motion picture or even on TV for that matter? You just don't, I mean, even iTunes, you go on iTunes, it's hard to find classical music. You have to dig around. And uh, and that's, it's just become a smaller portion yeah. of, of uh, what we see day, daily. And mm-hmm. kids today are, I'm looking at my daughters who are on 
their iPads and iPhones and uh, you can get music instantly mm-hmm. and uh, and and what they're listening to is not classical music. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like they, they want they want something fast. Yeah. Uh, they want something new. And that's the big pressure now is to come out with something quickly and make a big sale mm-hmm. and then uh, it'll go away and then you come out with something quickly again. Where does Bruckner fit in with that? You know, these vast landscapes of magnificent sound, you know, my God, who can, you know, having somebody sit through a Bruckner symphony now is, uh, is a challenge without a movie attached to it. Or, or unless you put, you know, right. nobody should ever remix. Unless it's a re, yeah, redo for a dance club. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's it's all it's all different now, and but you have to you either you can't stick with the old format or you'll die. Mm-hmm. You'll just end up mm-hmm. going away. Well, and you know it's it's funny you say that because uh, I'm I I play with several regional orchestras here in Indiana and in Kentucky, and my thought is, look, I'm working. I I'm happy to take right. the horn out of the case. Uh, it might not be Shahrazad or Mahler, uh, but I'm still working. Right. And, you know, it's that whole thing of beggars can't be choosers. Uh, I'm, I'm really, truly grateful for the work. And, you know, I, I work as hard on a John Williams concert as I do, uh, you know, Scheherazade or, or something like that. Um, but but you know, not everybody yeah, shares that sentiment. Right. In the 70s, that was really the heyday for Chicago Symphony, the Philly Orchestra. And uh, that's when uh, the audience was coming to them. And now we have to come to the audience. Mm-hmm. Now it's it, there's there's a good percentage of what we do is about survival mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. and crafting ways to repackage it in some ways, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get new music into the hall, something mm-hmm. that's that will appeal to the audience. That and we're we're doing that. We're reaching out to composers and you know trying to keep uh, keep that side of classical music alive mm-hmm. as well as Beethoven. Mozart and all the standards that everybody loves, but it, there is a boy. We, you know, we really have to make sure we got something to do in the summer. We got to yeah. make sure we have something to do through the holidays and right. and, and all that. And, and if you're good at that, then you'll survive. And that's that's part of the whole game. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the middle of the episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you with the support of Messina Covers. They offer some standard and custom designs of trumpet bags, mouthpiece pouches, and more. And their customer service is excellent. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And now, back to the interview. So, um, forgive me, I know we're a little bit uh, pressed for time. Uh, Could we talk a little bit about Empire? Sure, absolutely. Um, First of all, my condolences on uh, losing your colleague, Sam. Not that well, long both, ago. Both Sam and Rolf. I can't and believe. Rolf. Uh, please forgive me. Of course. Uh, no. I, I, mean, I can't believe they're gone. I really can't. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm still kind of in shock. The uh, interview Sam did with uh, Brass Junkies. Uh, I don't know if you've heard that. Uh, but you know, uh, I haven't. I was in tears. Uh, Andrew Hitz and, and Lance LaDuke, they were in tears. Sam was in tears. Uh, it's it's truly a moving uh, but that interview, he thought he was in remission. He was oh, in remission. And then, you know, just a few months later, he was gone. But uh, 
beautiful person. I, I wish I had been able to hear him and, and meet him. But uh, uh, so what he did tell in that interview, though, was how uh, how you guys got together. And uh, is it true? Bernstein pretty much just pointed at the five of you and said, you're in a group or you're yeah. <laughs> you that's, that's, at that moment. Yeah. That's the way uh, legend has it. Of course, I wasn't in a band at the time, but they would talk about that. It's funny because a couple of years ago, right after Rolf passed, we did the mask, Bernstein's mask, and we mm -hmm. recorded it mm -hmm. with uh, Yannick. And I remember just sitting on stage and tearing up because mm -hmm. we, we recorded uh, one of our CDs. One of our first CDs has arrangements from the mask on it, and they, and they talked about it how they met mm -hmm. and Rolf would talk about the trumpet parts. And here I am sitting there playing this and listening to these tunes. And, uh, it was, it was very poignant for me, uh, but apparently, yeah, they, Bernstein said, you, 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 you got to You got to form a group. Mm -hmm. You got to get this going. And that's how it took off. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, uh, at ITG in Miami a few weeks ago, I had the uh, good fortune to talk to Mark Reese, Oh yeah. Interview him. Great I, guy. I, he is, he's, he's terrific. And I've always admired his sound. I think he's just got a, oh, a hell of a trumpet player. Really great player. And, uh, of course, you know, he was in a very different group. Um, well, you know, just personnel wise, but the, the quality yeah. was still spectacular. But, uh, um, did he follow you? Uh, yeah, I think there were a couple guys in between that didn't work out. Mm hmm. I'm, I'm not real sure. I kind of just split and went to Dallas mm -hmm. and uh, and then heard through the grapevine what was going on. But he ended up holding that position for longer than I did. He's He was the longest uh, member, second trumpet player in the Empire Brass. Yeah, 17 years, I think he told me. Yeah, and it's, and it's history. And um, yeah, it, it, and he, he was great. I mean, just a, he's such a great guy to work with. Mm -hmm. And he was perfect for that group, really. Mm -hmm. And he studied with Rolf and uh, studied with the EDQ at the EDQ seminars. Yeah. So he was he was a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. well, let's talk about uh, Tanglewood. Uh, mm -hmm. And were you uh, okay? So I may edit this out. This will show maybe my ignorance. You were not the original trumpet player, second in that group. No, 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 no. They had uh, Charlie Lewis. Oh, right. Was in it. And then, uh, and he and Rolf were pretty much splitting the book mm -hmm. because Charlie uh, really came together and said, let's, let's put, you know, let's make this happen. Mm -hmm. And then um, Rolf, who, who was busy in the BSO, you know, talked about, okay, yeah, let's, let's see if we can make this work from a schedule standpoint. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, splitting the book. And then Rolf just took over and became the soloist that he ended up being. And uh, so Charlie was the first of the second trumpet players. And then uh, I think Tim Morrison came in mm -hmm. after he did. And then I came in after Tim. And how long were you in the group? I was in the group eight years. Okay. Well, and maybe for the for all the videos that I've seen, I think that might be why I had thought you were original. Yeah, well, Tim, that. there is one video of, uh, in Japan with the group. They're all dressed in white. Tim's playing second there, but we kind of, I came in when they joined Telarc and that's when the group really exploded. Yeah. And Telarc yeah. said, look, we got the Canadian brass and we got you guys. 
they're like, you know, uh, the grandfatherly type of funny, you know, brilliant <laughs> kind of guys. We're going to make you the biker gang. So he dressed us in leather and we grew our hair and looked like, you know, uh, a glam band from the, from the eighties. But it worked because they were too, they, we didn't try to be the Canadians. They didn't try to be us. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we were able to both, sur- you know, survive mm-hmm. in the market. And that's when it really took off. And everybody remembers those CDs because that was, that was high powered. Those were high powered years. We I, were working really, really hard. I remember, uh, like most people, you know, the first time you hear uh, Canadian brass or Empire brass and you're like, oh my gosh. I didn't know playing like that was possible, but it wasn't just the playing. You know, it was the quality of the charts. It was the it was the quality yeah. of of the entertainment factor, uh, the stage presence. I mean, everything was just uh, at such a high level. And so, you know, I want to say thanks to you first of all for uh, for being part of that. I mean, <laughs> you're you're part of a, a legacy that I think is. Um, still inspiring a lot of musicians, not just trumpet players, but a lot of musicians. Oh, thank you. And I kind of knew that at the time. I also knew that it wasn't going to go on forever because it was hard. It was Mm -hmm. hard. The road was hard. Just, you know, getting out of Winnebago's and playing concerts (laughs) and getting on airplanes. It was, it was a crazy schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and it's just not something that I could see myself doing forever. And I didn't know what I was going to do actually after that. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I knew there was something really special going on. Uh, and it was I was really lucky to be there mm-hmm. at that time, at that moment in time. Uh, and Rolf was just really hungry into making this, you know, the, the group of household names. Sam was on board with that. Rolf had the crazy ideas. And Sam would funnel these ideas and then spill them to Tellard. And Tellard would say, okay, yeah, this looks like we can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Rolf was the type of guy who, uh, when I left the band, he was practicing the Mendelssohn violin concerto. He wanted to learn that. Right. And that's the way he was. He would pick out these impossible things to do mm. and find a way to do it. And that's what the secret to the group was. He would say, mm-hmm. no matter how the hoops are, on this, we have to jump through smaller hoops on the next one. It's got to be more dangerous. It's got to be crazier. You know? And that's, Telark loved that. And mm-hmm. that's what we did. Well, not only did it, I mean, did it really well. <laughs> it well, was... thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, we, you had to. It was very yeah. stressful. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. I can't explain to you how crazy it was yeah. during those recordings. I mean, because... We had three days to put those things down, and, and it had to be great. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you worked very hard, mm-hmm. and uh, it was crazy. Speaking of recording, Sam also gave the story of uh, how he worked uh, your solo <laughs> onto one of the albums, <laughs> which was yeah. a fantastic story. Um, you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. I, well, um, yeah, I hope it's the same story that I'm going to tell. <laughs> I, I, you know, we, we, what happened, I was never allowed to have a solo. I, you know, that's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. Rolf was a solo trumpet. I think it says that on our CDs. Right. I was what we all call the other trumpet. Exactly. The trumpet. <laughs> and so um, everyone else had a solo on all the CDs. You had trombone solo, French horn solo. Rolf would have a solo. Sam would have a solo. Finally, Telark actually said, look, 
he, Jeff needs to do a solo. And Ralph said, no, 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 not this CD. And then next CD. And it was always the next CD. Mm. And finally, um, Sam came up to me and said, look, uh, Telark's bugging me about putting this solo on this this uh, Broadway CD we're doing. Is there a tune you like? And I, and I said, well, okay. Uh, I said, is Rolf going to allow this? Sam said, don't worry about it. <laughs> we'll work that out. So you got a tune? I said, yeah, let's do put on a happy face because I was the grumpiest guy in the band. <laughs> so I thought that would be really funny. Mm -hmm. I said, now sing it. How about that? Telark loved the idea. So uh, we were done with the recording session. Everybody was packing up and leaving. And I actually left the building <laughs> and waited. I, Rolf left. Everybody left. Mm -hmm. Telark was packing up. It always took them you know, three hours to sure. take down all the recording <laughs> equipment. Sam comes around the corner and says, okay, let's go. So I come back in. We set up with, a, with just a drummer, Sam, and myself. Mm -hmm. And we did this little, little arrangement of put on a happy face. It was just something that just spontaneously happened. Mm -hmm. And then I sang a couple, couple you know, verses. Packed it all up. Telark said, great, we'll see how this comes out and everything. I thought it was, wasn't going to happen. I thought it was a nice gesture, but I thought, there's no way Rolf's going to let this on the CD. It's just not going to happen, especially with my singing. So, not that my singing was bad, but that would be you know, completely... No, you weren't hired not to an be empire, singer, right? <laughs> not an Empire Brass thing. Yeah. So, uh, about three months later, Rolf gets the CD delivered. And there it is, put on a happy face and thought. <laughs> and I guess he didn't even look at it. He just put it on his in the disc player. Mm -hmm. And he's walking around the house, you know, whatever, doing whatever, making lunches. <laughs> and all of a sudden I this the track comes and he flipped. He just went bananas. <laughs> he called Sam and he says, What is this? This thing destroying the C D. This this can't work. It's not I gotta call I want you to call Telark and tell him that they, they can't produce a CD mm -hmm. like this. So uh, Sam told me all this, and I said, oh, so it's not going on. Sam said, oh, no, it's going to go on. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll deal with mm -hmm. Rolf. Mm -hmm. And it actually became pretty popular. Actually. Yeah. And, and Rolf came to like it. He said, I want you to do an arrangement of it when we go play with the National Symphony, and I want you to sing with the National Symphony. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I did. I did a string arrangement of it, and I played, and, and it, it became a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so it – but that was – a lot of times how things work in the group you mm -hmm. had to, to work around Rolf in order to get things you know yeah on it. but it all like i said it all came together and he really was a driving force be, behind everything he, mm -hmm. he picked out the crazy stuff to do and then we figured out a way to do it well um uh, that's the story that Sam told. Uh, so you, it's it's been yeah. verified now uh, <laughs> okay. by by the other party. So there's there's nobody that right. can dispute that. Um, yeah. You know, it. I was fortunate to hear um, the group live a couple of times, and uh, you know, as much work as you put into the recording process, um, it, it was never a disappointment either way. You know, it, same thing with Canadian Brass. It was just uh, uh, always great. Uh, on CD and and live, well, of course, live's always better, right? Live music's always better. Yeah, but, thank you. It was it was fun. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, the the schlepping from gig to gig, and sometimes the rehearsals and things were were torturous in some ways. Hmm. But when we got on stage, it all happened. 
It always happened. We always wanted to knock down the walls with the sound mm -hmm. and dazzle people. And uh, we were all of the same mindset. We all wanted to make sure that no one forgot mm. the concert when mm -hmm. we were out on stage and we played. And that they were going to walk out and say, I'm never going to forget that. And it was killing yourself during those, no, no, no matter where we were. Right. If we were in the Midwest, if we were in Europe, wherever, Japan, mm -hmm. kill it and, and you know, make the audience just uh, dazzle the audience and make mm -hmm. sure that they never forget this show. Mm -hmm. And it really worked. Do you get a chance much these days for uh, chamber music, brass quintet? Every once in a while, we actually did uh, a recording. Dean came to us and said we would like to pair Ewald, two Ewald uh, quintets, one and three, with this Tchaikovsky that the Philadelphia Orchestra is playing, Tchaik Five. Apparently, they were contemporaries. And so uh, we actually came together with Dean and put out two brass quintets on a Philadelphia orchestra recording, mm -hmm. which I don't know if many people know about that. They really turned out great. Uh, there's not a lot of time for that now. Every once in a while, we'll put a group together, do a, a Christmas show or mm -hmm. to do a, a ch children's concert or a benefit. Mm -hmm. But man, I mean, it's so we're so busy now. There's mm -hmm. so much happening with work and you're kind of just making sure that you're balancing family and work and the chamber music thing, sadly, is kind of taking a back seat. Mm -hmm. And I miss it, but it's it's really different playing in an orchestra, and you have to just have a different mindset and a different mm -hmm. mind you know, way to approach music than when you're with a quintet. So, um, well, you it, had a good run, you know. Yeah, happy with that. Yeah, know, yeah it was good I while think. it lasted, right? Right. <laughs> right. Well, um, are, are you teaching anywhere? I do a little teaching at Temple. Mm -hmm. I have a couple students there usually, and I do some brass quintet coaching at Curtis, which is a lot of fun mm -hmm. uh, for me. That's how I kind of keep my fingers in it, uh, working with these really talented students at the Curtis Conservatory. Did they ever ask uh, to Curtis do any of the Empire charts? Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, their library doesn't own a lot of them mm -hmm. for some reason. Uh, they have a few, but... Uh, but a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, a lot of kids don't remember that. They mm -hmm. they kind of don't know me from that. Mm -hmm. And somebody will mention to them, oh, he used to be a, a professional brass quintet for years. Oh, really? <laughs> Which one? And it's, you know, it's kind of sad uh, that we were so big at one point, And now we've kind of, you know, uh, Minozal has come out. Some, some, yeah. some really terrific. Yeah incredible groups have taken that next step mm -hmm. into the impossible and and put together brilliant shows and uh and i although we do have the empire has diehard fans as the canadians do i know mm -hmm. the canadians are out there still doing it yeah but um uh but you know every once in a while i'll bring in a chart and say hey, you know i recorded like this michael Ch tilson thomas street song i actually was there when he composed it he composed <laughs> it while the group was sitting there and oh really? Yes, yes. I, you know, I recorded this. I was the first one to record this. I'm not mm. kidding. Where can I find that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's on iTunes or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, but it's like I said, that's the way I keep my fingers in it, and it's a great deal of fun mm -hmm. being able to coach kids and pass that on mm -hmm. the tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, do you miss the hair? 
Uh, I, you know, I still kind of have the hair. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if it's, uh, it's quite what I remember from, uh, no, from the eighties. Right? It's, it's not the mullet. You know? <laughs> uh, it, yeah. I, I'm just lazy. You know, people say, yeah, oh, I see you still got long hair. Well, and I just don't like it. My hair cut. It's like, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. But, uh, that was kind we all kind of did that in order to, like I said, become different, become something different and, and try to pair up with the, the rock bands that kind of took off. Sam had this big, curly, beautiful black fro mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this little <laughs> wonderful grace. Rolf had long hair. Eric had a ponytail. Mm-hmm. Marty, Marty had long hair. It was, uh, that was the, those are the times. Mm-hmm. We had to kind of blend in in order to make things work. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so last question, you still have the biker, uh, biker jacket there with leather, whatever that uh, <laughs> they tried to put you in. Uh, no, that's, that's <laughs> not that you'll confess to here, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm too yeah. old for that now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, you know, uh, that was. I'm I'm so glad. It was like being in a rock and roll band. It was the mm-hmm. closest thing. I always wanted to be in the in the Beatles when I was a kid, and this was the closest thing I think you could come to being mm-hmm. in the Beatles as a trumpet player. Yeah, I mean we we parked ourselves outside of the concert hall after concerts in Japan and we'd sign autographs for two hours. Wow. People would be lined up. I'd sign bicycle seats. I signed some guy's arm, mm. uh, t-shirts. And mm-hmm. I think Scott signed somebody's forehead. It was crazy. It was really, <laughs> I remember thinking this is really something. I mean, that I'm a trumpet player and, you know, I've got this kind of a following and this kind of a, mm-hmm. it was, it was like being in a rock band mm-hmm. and uh, I'll never forget that because being in an orchestra is a lot different, Yeah, you know, but yeah. uh, it was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Well, I cannot thank you enough uh, for the time today. And, and I uh, thank you. This has been great. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, and what's your story? Where are you, are, are you, you're a trumpet player at playing in, in, Muncie, is that right? Well, uh, so I have, um, I'm a trumpet player. I teach at the University of Indianapolis. And then I have uh, contracts as principal trumpet with four regional orchestras. And Great. Uh, the, Good for you. The schedule's actually, most of the time they jive. Um, there are some times where I have to make some choices. And, and you know, they're used to that. But uh, Where'd and, you, you go know, to school? Uh, actually, uh, I started with Vince DiMartino at the University of Kentucky. Great. Way, way back in the day. God, he's the greatest. And, and you know what? His name comes up, and it, it, now in this podcast, his name comes up in practically every interview I do. Yeah. Vinny is that uh, intertwined, and you know you. Can, he was a he was a great friend of Rolf's, and he would come up uh, every summer and see us and hang oh. out with the group and he was just <laughs> such a ball to hang out with and we'd see him in Cin- and you know when we'd go play yeah i uh, was cincinnati he'd come up and be playing the shows you know uh, yeah. as a lead trumpet player there and it was it was so much fun well i was talking to doc um a couple of weeks ago and doc he's got these uh cds now called the lost tapes i think uh but he was at Vinny's wow. house and oh, Vinny no said kidding. hey doc i want you to listen to something and it was a live recording Doc had done back in uh, in the eighties, and Doc said, "Hey, the guy sounds pretty good. Who is it?" <laughs> and he says, wow. "Doc, that's you." <laughs> so he tells the story of how his daughter helped him uh, get all of the legal aspect, everything done. So now they've actually produced 
this uh, this CD. And uh, but you know, I mean, when when Doc goes to Vinny's house, you know, it's like, what do you think? Everybody would go to Doc's house, right? But right, uh, you know. And I I don't know if you saw Facebook this morning. Vinny posted a something. He opened his case, and there's a little button with Vizuti, a uh, picture of Vizuti. <laughs> And, and Vinny says, uh, I open my case and remind, uh, and I see this and it reminds me how my technique really sucks or something like that, you know, uh, but Vinny's the greatest and, you know, we've been yeah. friends, um, now all these years and, uh, but I studied with him and then I, I finished, uh, I did a master's at Butler university years ago and, uh, but I, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I'm, I'm just oh. taking in everything I can. Join the um, club, man. And I, I never mean, expected just, yeah. uh, these interviews. Uh, there, there's a lot of validation in my own teaching and playing, you know, by talking to, to people and yeah. new ideas and inspiration on everything. And uh, Well, good for you, man. I'm glad you're doing it. And uh, this, this is terrific. Thanks. And, and, and I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of it. Thank you for asking. Oh, that's very kind. And uh, I'll let you know when this comes out. And, of course, I'll put links to... Uh, uh, all things Jeffrey Carnell and oh, people can you. find do, you. And do you need a uh, something to edit the an end of this? Do you need an end or something? I know I kind of cut you off there. No, no, no. This is the, this, <laughs> okay. this is the end. I mean, this is the, look. Right. This is pretty informal. Uh, oh, okay. If you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I appreciate the time, and uh, I look forward to meeting you at some point uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, we don't we don't tour much, you know, in the states anymore. Every once in a while, we get close to people will come up and say, "Hey, how you doing?" And people I haven't seen in years, if we're playing in Michigan yeah. or something like that. But usually, we're going overseas. And, yeah. But yeah, it'd be fun. Well, it fun gives me an excuse to beer. come out to Philly if I have to. Yeah, you know, if so. you're in town, call me and let's you know yeah. work out a time we can go get a cheesesteak and a beer or something. Oh, it's a date, man. <laughs> just, uh, just yeah. yak. Because cool. this is far too short. This yeah, really is. This I is agree. Uh, well, thank you so much. much. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, you're very welcome. Like I said, thank you. All right. And uh, let me know when this comes out. You bet. Thanks. Right. Take care. Take care. Uh -huh. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you too can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studio HFL. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.